Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts 27. Acts chapter 27. We are almost done with the book of Acts. After today, we will have two more Sundays and it'll be over. Two years through this book. And I believe it has been the perfect book for our church to go through during this season. I remember back in March of 2020, uh, William Layton was serving as one of our active deacons. And I had, I, th- I had spoken to him and a few of our deacons about, should we switch to a different book? We are three months into the book of Acts. And I was like, maybe we should look at First Peter. Maybe we should look at James. You know, maybe because of the current climate. And then I, I just remember William saying, I think we should stick in the book of Acts. And so it, he was right. This has been great. And this chapter that we have come up on, chapter 27, we're looking at Paul's shipwreck as he sails to Rome. And as I've been looking at this passage this week and dwelling on it and meditating on it this week, I really feel like this is the perfect text for us to end 2021 with and begin 2022 with. A lot of us in here this morning, as we just finished celebrating Christmas yesterday, you know, used to, I would say that the 26th is the most depressing day out of the year. But for some of us, December 25th is. And yesterday was hard for some of us. Yesterday was trying for some of us. And some of us are going through storms that we can't even describe. Some of, some of us in this room are hurting. Some of us in, in this room are even having to hide that pain. You come in with a big smile on your face You're wearing that mask, but yet deep down you know that that's not true. And I feel like this morning's text is perfect for some of us that are struggling today. Struggling. And some of my points this morning are going to be reminders. They're going to be, I feel like I've preached this message before, but that's good because we need to be reminded of these things. Just as, as, as we're going to see in this text, Paul needed to be reminded of these things that we need in storms of life. And so I pray that this morning's message is an encouragement to you, as this text has been an encouragement to me. Before we get started, um, I, 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 I want to give a couple thanks um, to some of you that um, have served our church very faithfully. Um, first, and I know she's not going to like that. I'm going to mention her, but Miss Diane McManus is here this morning. I know you're already shaking your head. I see it, but you have served our church for so many years faithfully, taking care of our contributions and getting those letters out. And today is your last Sunday serving in that position. And so I want to say thank you for the many years that you have served here uh, in doing that. Thank you so much. Um, we, we have somebody else, uh, she, she asked to step down. Um, we have somebody else that will be taking her spot coming next week. Um, since it's the new tax, tax year next week. And so, um, thank you, Diane, for all that you've done for our church. You've done it for many years. Do you know how many years? No, that many years, huh? (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, to the mighty women, I want to say thank you for, uh, what y'all have done for our shut-ins. Um, I went and sat down with them last week, and uh, they are so very thankful for the gifts that you sent them. Uh, and I feel like our mighty women have been doing a fantastic job in our church 
and yet they don't get mentioned near enough uh, and recognized. And I know we don't serve to be recognized, but I do want to recognize y'all. And I'm so very thankful, uh, Caroline, for your for your leadership through the Mighty Women. Y'all been doing a fantastic job. For those that have gone and visited the shut-ins and seen them, thank you very much. I appreciate that. They needed that. Um, they feel that isolation. I know some of you this morning are hurting, and so I do. I, I really hope that this text is an encouragement to you. So, if you're in Acts 27, say word. 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 Hey, Daryl. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. We're going to read just the first 20 verses, but we're going to look at the entire chapter. So if you will stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. But remember, we're going to look at the entire chapter. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now, as we go through this text, listen for how the storm is against the ship. There's many instances in this text where it mentions that. Verse 5, And when he had sailed across the open sea, along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast, the day of, of atonement, was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat, the lifeboat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven alone. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, they're in the middle of a hurricane, and no small tempest lay on us. What does it say? 
all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Now, the story does not stop there. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We pray that you would encourage us this morning. We pray that you would use this, add a blessing upon it. Use me as you see fit. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I love a good, good story. And I'm sure many of you do too. I love to read good stories. I love to be captured, captivated. I love to be so sunk into a good story that when it's over, I'm sad about it. Y'all, y'all been in a book like that or, or watched a movie like that or maybe even binged a TV series like that. When the TV series was over, you're just like kind of depressed. Maybe that's more just a problem that you have, but, but y'all know what I'm talking about. We went and saw the new Spider-Man movie. I took my son to go and see the new Spider-Man movie a couple weeks back. I'm not going to spoil it. I see your ears. I'm not going to spoil it, but it was a great story. We love stories. Why? Because we want to be encouraged by these stories. We want to be lifted up. We want to see heroes defeating monsters. We want to see good overcoming evil. We want to even possibly escape from the reality that we live in sometimes so that we can be captured by a good story where maybe they're not dealing with the same stuff we are. I feel like Acts 27 is a good story. It is. The, all 44 verses of it. Luke, as we see in verse 1, where he says, and it, it was decided that we should sell for Italy. Luke is back accompanying Paul, and then they've got Aristarchus with them to accompany Paul. But yet Luke is he's providing these details of this trip on this boat. And it's a story to see this ship that is sailing for Rome to encounter a massive storm. And the problem is, is they're sailing at the wrong time of the year. We see in verse 9 when it says, Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast, the day of, of atonement, this is the mid to October Time. This is the season of August. When, you, when, it's, when it's August coming into wintertime, the storms come up on the waters a lot easier. People don't want to sail during that time. And Paul even tells him in verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo in the ship, but also of our lives. Paul is seeing it. This is, guys, this is not safe. This is a dangerous trip. We should not go. Should not go. You ever see the movie Perfect Storm? Old movie. I'm older. Not old, but older. Where you've got uh, Mark Wahlberg and you've got, is it George Clooney, the captain of, of the ship? Was he the captain? you got all these guys and, and then their family is even telling them, no, this is the worst time to go out. You shouldn't go out. Just something feels wrong. Don't go out. Well, they shouldn't have gone out. (laughs) This is what's happening here. But what we're seeing in this story is we're seeing this encouragement that God's sovereignty prevails no matter what kind of storm may come up. 
In fact, we can even argue that God is the one who brings this storm here in this situation so that Paul and even these people on this ship may, may come to understand God, may come to, 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 to an understanding of trust. Sometimes we go through storms in our lives because God's trying to prepare us for something or God's trying to shape and mold us or he's trying to grow us. And here Paul is encountering this storm. And in verse 20, we see that all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. They're hopeless. They're in despair and they're scared. These are professional sailors and they're terrified. These are guys who sail for a living and they're scared. So here's the main idea I've got for your, for the message this morning is this. In the midst of life's, in the midst of life's storms, our hope is in God's sovereignty. In the midst of life's storms, our hope is in God's sovereignty. That's, that, 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 because God is sovereign, because he's in control, and because he works out all things for our good and his glory, we can rest and trust and hope in that truth. Charles Spurgeon once said that the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which I rest my head. For the anxious soul in the room, the sovereignty of God is a truth of Scripture that should calm our nerves. For the one who is in despair or depressed or struggling, the sovereignty of God should comfort us in knowing that God's not done with us yet. Because when we look at the sovereignty of God, we're looking at a God who works who reigns. He's not a God who shakes his hands of it and stands back and watches the world unfurl. He's a God whose hands are within our world and he's working. He's doing things within your lives that you're not even aware of. I think John Piper once said that, that, that God at this moment is doing a thousand things in your lives that you're not even aware of. At this moment... So in the midst of life's storms, our hope is in God's sovereignty. It's there. It has to be. In the midst of life's storms, if God is not sovereign, then the storms are. If he's not sovereign, we should be afraid. If he's not in control, we should fear the storm more than we should fear God. But the truth is, God is sovereign. He's in control. He rules and reigns. And he accomplishes his purposes. So let's let's break this down, okay? Let's break it down. Number one, because God is sovereign, number one, we can have hope in God's presence. We can have hope in God's presence. Presence. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, I told you so. 
Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet, now, I urge you to take heart. I love it when the scripture says take heart. Take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So even in the middle of this storm, this angel appears to Paul. He's being reminded of the presence of God. That even in the middle of life storms, he's not alone. And church, there are many of you, including myself in this room, that need to be reminded that when we struggle, when we're in pain, when we're dealing with something, whatever it may be, maybe it's the loss of a loved one, maybe it's anxiety and depression, maybe it's, maybe it's a sickness, maybe, may, whatever it may be, God is with us. Joshua in the Old Testament, when he was being told to take charge, take Moses' spot and lead the people into the promised land. Can you imagine Joshua who's like, are you serious? What does God tell him? Do not fear. Take courage. For I am with you. I am with you. Isaiah 40, 31, for my anxious heart, I'm not, Isaiah 41, 10, for my anxious heart, for, for, for one in this room who deals with that and has dealt with depression, Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not for I am with you. In the middle of life storms, we need to be reminded that we can have hope in God's presence. We need Him with us. In fact, it was the last thing Jesus told His disciples before He ascended. Matthew 28, 20. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Hey, no pressure, guys. I need you to go out, spread the gospel to the entire world. Let people know who I am. People are going to kill you. They're going to chain you up. They're going to persecute you. But don't fear, because I'm going to be with you. For the weary soul, a reminder of the presence of God. It's medicine. It's medicine to the weary soul. I'm not alone. And this is, this is why the incarnation was so important. This is why Christ needed to take on flesh in order to be our Savior. It's so that in Hebrews where it talks about He's now able to sympathize with us. He understands our pain. He understands what it means to be abandoned. He understands what it means to hurt. He understands what it means to die. And here's the thing. We have His presence with us. 
in these dark and trying days, in the middle of life storms. And I know 2021 has not been the best year. Man, when 2020 ended, we were like, chapter closed, 2021, it's going to be fantastic. Nope. For a lot of you in this room, 2021 was worse than 2020. And a lot of you are ready to shut the chapter of 2021 and head into 2022. But what if 2022 isn't as good as 2021? What if it's worse? We can have hope in a God who is present with us. He is sovereign to where he's with each and every single one of us every second of the day, everywhere we go. Psalm 139 tells us, where can I go from your presence? You cannot escape the presence of God. He's with you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that you have somebody with you who sympathizes with you. Whenever I go through my struggles, I need to talk to somebody who understands what I've gone through, who understands my position. A lot of times it's a lot easier when somebody can look at you and say, I do know what you're going through. It's easy to sit with them and talk with them and just lay it out. How do I get through this? What do I do? Let me tell you, church, there's nobody that better understands your situation than God. Trust in, in His presence. Have hope in His presence with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you to the end of the age. And in our darkest moments, He's, he's, he's close. It is, it is in the darkest moments of my life that I feel Christ closer. And I need that. I need that. Not only should we, not, not only can we have a hope in God's presence, number two, we can have rest in God's promises. We can have rest in God's promises. After Paul tells the men that, he tells them in verse 25, he says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. I, will, I have faith in God that exactly as he has told me it's going to be, it's going to happen. Church, let me tell you, if there's anything we can see in God's word, it's that what God says comes true. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's what the incarnation shows us. That's what Christmas Shows us that what God says was going to happen. He, he, Christ was foretold from the beginning. And he came. And church, he's coming again. We can have rest in the promises of God. We can trust that what he says will happen, will happen. Paul tells him, but we must run aground on some island. <laughs> I'm sure the pilot was like, what? We see later that they're, that, that they're hauling wheat. What I learned is that boat captains who haul wheat in this time of year to Rome get paid, I think, nearly twice as much 
as a regular season because it's dangerous times and because it's dangerous uh, cargo. If wheat, if wheat gets wet, what happens to it? It, it expands and it gets heavy. And you get that weight heavy, it tears the ship apart. That's why we're going to see later they start throwing the wheat overboard because it'll actually destroy the ship. But the, even even the captain's probably like, hold up, we, run it aground? Are you serious? Verse 27, when the 14th night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, they were being driven by the wind and the waves and the storm. There was no, they're not able to steer It's the storm carrying them. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. That's about 120 feet. And a little further on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. It was about 90 feet. They they saw it was getting more shallow. Verse 29, and fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Verse 30. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat, this is the lifeboat, into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. They must stay in the ship. Paul is resting in the promises of God. They need to rest in knowing that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. But some of these sailors are starting to freak out. Church, it's so easy for us to neglect the promises of God. It's so easy for us to forget what it is that God promises us. One of the things that we just talked about, he promises his presence. I will be with you wherever you go. I am with you to the end of the age. But that's not the only thing he promises us in scripture. He promises us to be our strength when we are weak. He promises to comfort us when we're in pain. He promises that he is going to work within our lives, every situation for our good and his glory. But a lot of times we neglect and forget these promises too often, too often people are looking for a word of God, but they're neglecting the word of God. Where do we find these promises? In God's word. And that's where Paul is resting in these promises that God is giving him. In the word of God. God has told him, you're going to go to Rome. God has told him, you guys are going to be safe as long as you stay in the boat. Okay. Man, too often we just want God just to... Reach out from the clouds and just yell down, hey, you're going to be okay. It's going to work out. You're going to make it. We don't need that. Because we've got this. And I don't know about you, but I've read the last chapter. It all works out. It all works out. We can have rest in God's promises. And God promises so much to us throughout His Word. Rest in that church. Rest in His comfort. Rest in His peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Rest in the fact that He's sovereign and is reigning and He's going to work out all things for our good and His glory. Rest in the fact that He has promised that Christ will return. Christ will return. As we talked earlier with Brother Glenn, who came up and did a great job with the New City Catechism, where he talked about how our hope is in the fact that we are going to spend an eternity with Christ. Our hope is in the fact that this world is not our eternity. Sometimes I'm thankful that our life is short here. Because this world is sinful. It's suffering. It's painful. It's painful. Church, when we are weak, God promises to give us strength. I was sitting with one of our shut-ins last week and and she does a fantastic job caring for her husband with Parkinson's. And, and I mean, she does it all. And I tell her constantly, I'm like, Miss Francis, you are one of the strongest women I know. You know what she tells me? She says, it's because I'm not alone. It's because I've got God's strength to carry me on. She's resting in the promise that God will strengthen her. And I pray you do too. Not only can we have rest in God's promises, thirdly, we can give thanks for God's provision. We can give thanks for God's provision. Verse 32, Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. So they've let the lifeboat go. They're resting in the promises of God. They're resting in what Paul has told them. Verse 33, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and did what? Giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of pain and worry, anxiety, fear, what they're going through, they still take the time to give thanks to God for the provision that he has made. They have food. And a lot of times for us, church, we neglect to even give thanks to God in the middle of life's storms. But God provides. Wow. Did you hear that squeal? God provides for our every need. God provides when we are in need. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. He tells us this. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
What's his secret for when he's in need? Christ, who provides the strength. Christ, who supplies all of his needs. He tells us in another epistle, he says, give thanks always. Give thanks in every circumstance. We are to give thanks because God still provides. Do you have breath in your lungs? Were you able to make it here this morning? Did you wake up this morning? God still provides. We can still give thanks to him, even in the middle of life storms. Because like what Pastor Leto always says, we are better than we deserve. Because we are. We don't deserve breath in our lungs. We deserve death. Judgment. And what is the greatest thing that we can thank God for? The provision of Jesus Christ. The provision that He has brought His own Son to live, die, rise, and reign. His own Son to to pay our penalty so that we may be redeemed and saved. I'll tell you, there is no storm in this life that can make us ungrateful for that. Because He has saved us from the greatest storm of all, the storm of sin and death. Not only can we give thanks for God's provision, but number four, we can also trust in God's plan. We can trust in God's plan. Here's the shipwreck, verse 39. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed the bay with the beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, Then, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. They've run the ship aground. The ship is destroyed. They're saved. Or so we think. Verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. It's like that end of the movie, right? You're like, man, they've made it. They're safe. And then all of a sudden, you see a soldier come out and be like, they're not getting away. And you're like, oh no, it's that it's that climax. And your heart's racing. They're going to kill them. What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, verse 33, the centurion, Julius, who has been so good to Paul, Wishing to save Paul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Church, even to this point where the ship makes it and we're like, oh no, the soldiers are going to kill the prisoners. Paul's going to die. But even the centurion who is not saved as we know of, even the centurion wishes to save Paul. God's plan came through. We can trust in God's plan. That no matter, no, no matter how it turns out, it's still turning out for how God wants it to. 
I don't know, sometimes that's hard for us. Why is that? We, we don't have all the answers. The Bible tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. We don't understand everything, but we can trust in God. Because he knows everything. And here, his plan has come to fruition. The ship has made it to land. The soldiers are safe. Not a soul perished off that boat. We can trust God's plan. This is a reminder that what God says comes true. This is a reminder that when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. He's faithful to accomplish his purpose. He's faithful to never leave us nor forsake us. He's faithful to strengthen us. He's faithful to the very end for us. He never lets us go, church. We are his children. And we can trust that he is a good father. We can trust that he is a sovereign father. We can trust in the middle of life's storms that he still knows best. So in the midst of life's storms, our hope is in God's sovereignty. Our hope can be in God's presence. We can rest in God's promises. We can give thanks for God's provisions. And we can trust in God's plan. May that be our goal for 2022. I've decided not to make any resolutions for 22. I've made a resolution to not make a resolution. Because if I end up accomplishing something in 2022, I want to be able to say that it is more than I had thought I was going to do. And so I believe that our resolution, our resolution for 2022 should be that we will trust in the sovereignty of God no matter what comes our way. Because He is sovereign. And He's good and merciful. These soldiers on this ship did not deserve to live. A lot of them are guilty. But even God, through His grace, allowed nobody on this ship to die. Church, there is a greater ship that was broken for us, just as this ship was broken. The ship of Jesus Christ, the one that we need, the one who has lived and died and risen and is now reigning, the one who is, who is calling us, who is drawing us. Church, I pray this morning, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that you put it in him today. Because here's the thing. How do you expect to face life's storms without trusting in the one who is sovereign over them? And how do you expect to face life's storms if you've not been redeemed from the greatest storm that we will ever face, the storm of sin and death? Church, I pray that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't, come talk to me. Let's talk. Let's get that right. I want to talk to you about Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that you are sovereign and good and merciful. We are thankful that in the midst of life's storms, our hope is in you. 
So God, for the one in the room who is hurting today, for the ones in the room who are struggling, for the ones in the room who are anxious and depressed, for the ones in the room who are doubting, for the ones in the room who are terrified of what 2022 may bring, God, I pray that you would draw our hearts to you, that we may hope in your presence, that we may rest in your promises. God, that we may trust in your plan and that we may be thankful in your provision. You are better to us than we deserve. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory for that. I pray you do that this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.